Rank me a song, you're the ranking man. Rank Beatles songs tonight. Because we're all in the mood for a podcast. You've got a podcast, all right. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you. Wow. Uh, thank you. Off the little, top of the old noggin there. That, that was like a quick... Sometimes you think about them for a few minutes, yeah. but that was just like, bam. You're bam. like, I got it. Let's When do lightning this. strikes, you just go. You just go with it. You know? So good. Well, thank you. Welcome, everybody, to episode 42 of Ranking the Beatles. Yellow. 40 Deuce. How we doing this week, everybody? Julia, how are you this week? I'm all right. Yeah? Anything good? Anything interesting? Um, Our guest today is pretty interesting. That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's, eh, it's just another week here in Ranking the Beatles land. And, uh, and this airs, you know, three weeks after we tape it. So I don't know what the world would be like. First week of March. Goodness. Or, or no, this is the first week of March. This is the first week of March. First week of April. I don't know what the world will be like come April when this thing airs, so hopefully we're all still kicking. Ooh, maybe I'll be vaccinated by that point. Fingers crossed. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. Yeah. Hopefully everyone out there is uh, safe and healthy and doing well and ready for a, another fire hot episode of RTB. Y'all, we're super duper excited today. Super duper. Super duper, would you say? Um, yeah, that, I think that's a qualifying statement. Super duper excited. <laughs> yes. Y'all, our guest today is the quintessential Portland sideman. Oregon Public Broadcasting has claimed that there are musicians in Portland who seem like they've played with everyone, and then there's Dave Depper. According to the Portland Mercury, if you have a band in Portland, he's probably standing behind you right now holding a bass guitar. Now, we're not <laughs> in Portland, that. obviously. We're in New Orleans. Uh, but our guest today hails from Portland. Uh, these days, though, uh, he's perhaps best known as being the guitarist, keyboardist, and backing vocalist for iconic indie rockers Death Cab for Cutie, having joined the band in 2015, first as a touring member uh, before becoming a full-time member after that. Uh, he's appeared on their most recent full-length album, 2018's Thank You for Today, the 2019 Blue EP, and then the 2021 Georgia EP, a collection of covers of Georgia artists, which raised over $100,000 to benefit Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight Action Organization Amazing. before the Georgia Senate Ross. Amazing. Incredible. Uh, in addition to his work with Death Cab, uh, he's also collaborated live or in the studios with such luminaries as Robin Hitchcock, uh, Sharon Van Etten, Rayla Montaigne, Fruit Bats, uh, Laura Gibson, countless others. In his spare time, he's found time to release several studio albums. In 2011, he released the note-for-note Note cover of Paul McCartney's Ram album yes. entitled The Ram Project, which yes. is just absurd, absurdly ridiculous. It's absurdly ridiculous? Yes, absurdly <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, in 2017, he dropped the brilliant synth-pop album Emotional Freedom Technique. And earlier this year, he released Europa, an instrument album of ambient guitar loops, all recorded during downtime during a death cab European tour. Guy, guy, the guy's busy. He does stuff. And it's all brilliant. It's pretty darn good, I will say that. Yeah, like, obviously, the Ram Project is amazing. It's a cover Source of, material's quality. Right. Yeah. Um, when you start out pretty high, you know, it's pretty hard to botch that. Um, so that's obviously amazing. I feel like it's also probably really easy to botch that. Mm, 
Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. You might be. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. But he didn't botch it. It's he did not. Very good. It's a very enjoyable listen. Um, and then emotional freedom technique is played a lot in this house. A great record. Been. Yeah. A truly so great. great record. Very different from the Ram Project. Yep. But. And Europa is very different from emotional freedom technique. instrumental guitar loops uh very ambient esoteric really pretty melodies um a lot of delay guitar parts it's mm -hmm. really really cool it's a great listen on like a sunday morning when you're just chilling around the house it's good for if you're studying or just putting in the time at work doing a restorative yoga class doing a restorative yoga class perfect for that yeah. mm -hmm. all sorts of uses many uses yeah yes yeah so we're going to talk about all of it i think i hope Hopefully we can get to it. Lots of questions. <laughs> so, friends, please welcome to our show, Dave Depper. Dave, how are you, my friend? Welcome to Ranking the Beatles. Good to be here. Uh, I'm great. It is the first sunny day. Well, yesterday was sunny, but it, it's the first stream of sunny days we've had in Portland in many weeks. So um, I'm just feeling very up and, and good about that. Nice. Finally thawing out from the, the northeast winter, which is pretty brutal. Northwest, Northwest winter, sorry. <laughs> Geography, not my strong point. <laughs> it's usually, I mean, it's usually spiritually brutal because you don't see the sun and it rains all the time. But we actually had like a, a brutal snow dump a couple of weeks ago, which, you know, hardy Easterners like you uh, do fine with that. But here we have no infrastructure for it and it completely shuts the city down and all the plants die because it's we're just not meant to have snow here. And so things finally thawed out last week and... Things are coming alive again. Yeah. Oh, we're, so we're from New Orleans. Yeah, so we're like, Southerners. We crumble. Oh, my God. Okay. We're not made for that at all. <laughs> well, edit that out. I or, or, I should have known by your, your Saints pennant up there. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> God, I love your city. I wish I was there. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we appreciate you being uh, being here virtually. Uh, very cool of you to take some time and, and join us. Um, you know, I've... I'm a fan of your work. I'm a fan of your solo work. Your work with Death Cab. Um, I realized you were a Beatles fan uh, via following you on Instagram and watching you do these kind of like guitar tutorials at the start of, of quarantine, especially. And like mm. you were working out like Andrew Burke and sing. And I was like, this dude's a Beatles nerd. I can tell. Oh, definitely Beatles nerd. <laughs> well, one of the biggest. Nice. Well, welcome to the show, man. How has, um, how has it been for you lately? The last, I guess now coming up on 12 months of, uh, of strangeness. Yes. In fact, yesterday was the year anniversary of the last show I played, which was a death cab show in, uh, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And today is the year anniversary of the last plane flight I took. Um, so, uh, last week was the last uh, anniversary of the last haircut I had. Uh, you can't see on the podcast, but you can see my hair's quite long. I haven't had it this long since high school. I don't think. Nice. Um, <laughs> um you know, I'm great by COVID standards. I'm healthy. I'm comfortable. My 
parents live near me. They're healthy. Um, you know, uh, my my line of work and income stream has been a bit curtailed. Sure. One could say. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've had a good couple of years, and I'm just I I feel very grateful to be in in a house that I own that has a music studio in it, and I I I want for nothing right now other than all the things we all want, like hugs and friendship and eating out and things like that yeah. but but i'm good i've i've, st- I've managed to stay busy and, and healthy and relatively occupied that's fantastic that's good to hear and haircuts we want haircuts i so <laughs> admittedly i was able to get vaccinated through my work um what? which I, i'm eternally grateful for and just uh Three days ago, got my first haircut in I think like nine months. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so like I, I feel you. Say, you look great. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I, I dig the long hair. I think it's a good look on you. Are you going to stick with it? Is my question. I, I am going to stick with it. Yeah. I, I at the beginning of this, I said I wasn't getting it cut till the pandemic was over. Yeah. I did not know the commitment I was getting myself oh, yeah. into. But, um, but we're we're riding this train to the end, baby. Nice. We're going to happen. Nice. <laughs> I'm so, with you. I told Jonathan, I'm like, year. yeah, I, I luckily got my birthday is February 1st and I usually get my hair cut around my birthday. So I had luckily just gotten it cut when COVID uh, began, but it's been mm-hmm. since then it's been a full year. So like my, I don't, I don't know if you can see, but it's just a bun. <laughs> like my hair has been in a bun for, I don't know, probably six or seven months now. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Is, it's a healthy bun. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> There's a lot of hair in there, <laughs> but that's like the first thing I'm doing once I get my like. After I have my first dose, when I have my second dose scheduled, I'm scheduling a haircut for like a week after that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like take it, take it off. Yeah. Can't wait. It's gonna feel amazing. I I I I just know it. <laughs> like, it's really interesting, you know. And I know you said you're very familiar with New Orleans. Um, our live music scene has kind of switched to these porch concerts, uh, mm. which are amazingly fun, very kind of casual, uh, low key, like neighborhood oriented. Uh, it's just bands on friends' porches, you know, and it's it's fantastic. Um, so my band just did like our first rehearsals in like a year because we kind of didn't get involved with it for a while. Um, but like we're all rehearsing like outdoors, which is interesting because we're like beholden to nature and to the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got other bands I play with that like we go out and play on porches and it's like the only way to communicate, uh, which is amazing because like we'll play a porch in the next week like the rebirth brass band is on the same porch and uh, like, it's just this weird block party uh, culture that's being created now. Man. That, I mean, that's not a surprise that that's happening in new Orleans. It seems yeah. like there's no <laughs> that music down there for sure. I'm very envious. That sounds amazing here. It's just apocalyptic, rainy gloom. You know, you just, <laughs> you literally cannot have a porch concert here right now, but, but the, the weather right now makes me realize like, Oh, hope is on the horizon gonna we'll get there too but it might be july before we're we're doing that <laughs> yeah for sure well and in this in this downtime you managed to finish an album correct europa yes well yes and no um it, i it's kind of cheating because i actually recorded the album in november of 2015 uh-huh. um and it basically was done at that point but i I finished it in that I got it mixed and mastered and uh, found a label and, and, and released it and did all the all the you know things you need to do to release a record. But yeah. it is a funny record in that it was done basically the second I recorded it because it was all live and improvised and 
in the can and I just it was more like an editing process to, to, yeah. to make it happen. But, uh, it's been a project that was very near to my heart this whole time and I was just busy the whole time with the band and with my last solo record and things like that and so uh, I just wasn't able to give it kind of the, the time it needed and then once the pandemic hit I was like oh perfect this is great I can <laughs> sit down and, and deal with this and um, I'm so glad I did because it feels like it really came out at the right time yeah it's fantastic and it's one of the things you know I find myself thinking, you know, having read kind of your the uh, the press release about it, and so I'm wondering, were you doing this like in your hotel or on a bus, or was this like on stage during sound check? Because you guys are going through like Kempers and like amp simulators, right? Am I mis- am I correct in that? Uh, we're nowadays we. What am I using? Let me. <laughs> I like when I when I realized I wasn't playing live anymore. I like I took my shit home and <laughs> now, I, now I have all the goodies here. Uh, I use a fractal now. Yeah, okay. you're, you're right on. Yeah, I am using an amp modeler on stage, but I wasn't at the time. Um, this, what was going on? It, it was during sound checks. So the, the the impetus behind the project was I, I had been in the band for almost a year, or at least rehearsing with them for a year, maybe playing shows with them for like 10 months and i've been on tour like 95 percent of the time with them and i'd been on tour for the years leading up to that and i was it was just really weighing on me how much time i wasted on tour like there of course there's parts of the day where you're out exploring whatever city you're in and there's the show time and there's meals and that's great but there's this weird like nebulous dead time that occurs kind of before sound check where you have to be there in case they're going to get it going but you you're you're not really active you, you're not really doing anything yet but you can't leave because they might need to call you on stage and that sort of thing and so and that was just adding up to being like 30 to 45 to 60 minutes a day and over the course of that year I was like wow I've just wasted like days of time like looking at my phone or He's trying to nap or whatever. So I was like, well, well, how could I be productive? And my gear is on stage quite a while before the sound check starts. Oh, my cat. Hold on. <laughs> it's okay. Let's get a cameo. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> the cat's like, no, I'm out. The cat's a Stones fan. <laughs> Next week on Ranking the Stones. <laughs> Dave um, Depper's cat. <laughs> big fan of sticky fingers not so much satanic <laughs> majesty's request um anyway I, I, I so i was like well what can i do to make you know should i learn german should i you know read war and peace little i know that would happen during the pandemic but anyway <laughs> i was like oh well i've got this music gear i'm a big fan of Robert Fripp and Brian Eno and love their ambient looping kind of experiments. I, I listen to that music to fall asleep on tour, that kind of thing. And so I kind of cobbled together like a, a looping based pedal board. And basically from the second the stage was available to be on until the sound check started, I committed to on this European tour that I would just improvise that entire time no matter what kind of mood I was in, whether I wanted to do it, whether I didn't want to do it, um, and not listen back to it until the end of the tour. And so that, I don't know, that tour is maybe like 18 cities across Europe or something. And so every day at like 3 p.m., I would set up my stuff and I would just play guitar into the pedal board, which went straight into, uh, uh, I don't know, like an Apogee duet into my laptop. 
and record 30 to 60 minutes of stuff. And that happened day after day. And so I got home from that tour with like 12 plus hours of material, which was insane feeling. Mm. Um, I let it sit for quite a while. And then I, I finally sifted through a bunch of it, maybe like six months later. And then the next process of culling it happened, uh, I guess, around a year ago when, when I started really putting the record together. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. Like, cause you know, I was thinking about, so I used to be in a band that toured and I, I want to loop back to something on that in a second. Uh, but I can always remember going up on stage before a sound check, like getting frequently like the dirtiest looks from like our guitar tech. Like it's not noise time yet. Like, please get out of here. <laughs> I know. And uh, yeah, I'm very used to that look. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I, my guitar tech is one of my best friends. And I, and I was like, what if I just sit here headphones on? It was actually these, these cans that I use, the ones that I'm using today. But um, I was like, I'll just be totally unobtrusive. You guys make as much noise as you want. I'll just be in headphone world. And um, it was, that was it. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. And can you, when you listen back to it, are do you, are you able to kind of and it's different when I think when it's like an improvised instrumental thing. Are you able to kind of like see like where your headspace was at the time? Like, can you equate have, like those feelings? Absolutely, yeah. It's really interesting to listen to, and it, and it really vividly brings back the days I was over there. Like in in Copenhagen, it was like this beautiful sunny day, and I it was maybe the first or second time I'd ever really had time to spend there i think we even had a day off and i just went into recording feeling like in love with the world and and that city and i think everything i did that day really comes across that way and like conversely berlin i remember i was very hungover the venue was really cold everyone was in bad moods um and I I just sat down and kind of like made this very dissonant stuff. Like I think one song ended up on the record, which is like kind of dark sounding and, and the outtakes from it are just like screechy feedbacky weird stuff. <laughs> like, you know, like, like the dark twin to Europa that comes out later. Nice. Um, and, 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 and kind of there's shades in between those two examples in, in each city. Um, so yeah, it, it is really kind of this odd aural travelogue, I guess. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful record. Uh, we've found multiple uh, uses for it, whether it's listening to while working. Uh, you've done yoga to it. Yeah. You've done perfect. restorative yoga to it. Yeah, it's perfect. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I'm going to actually like – I sorry for the listeners. I have said this quite a few times. I work at a yoga studio, so I'm going to like send it to all the teachers and be like, hey, y'all, <laughs> you should use this in your classes. It's amazing. <laughs> Perfect shavasana music, baby. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, perfect. I guess I'll come out on this podcast and say I'm a daily yoga practicer and I'm kind of a fanatic about it. And I'm so that uh, that is extremely high praise to hear that you are enjoying doing yoga to it. Yeah, that's awesome. Nicely done. Um, before we get to the Beatles, one thing I wanted to kind of pick your brain about real quickly. Um, so we've got kind of this interesting common thread. Um Back in like 2007, I joined a band uh, that had had like some radio success in the 90s, and I replaced their original guitar player. Um, like Which band? A, a band called Cowboy Mouth. Oh yeah, yes, uh, the totally. Drummer's the singer, uh, and we yeah. used to play up at Portland, um, Portland and Seattle. We in Seattle we did the Doug Fur. Portland we did. 
Mm, you are, you've already got it wrong. Have I reversed it? Portland, so I bet you did the Doug Fur. <laughs> we did the Doug Fur in Portland, and we did the Tractor Tavern in Seattle, where the two uh, that we always played. Those are like two of my favorite venues in the world. Fantastic rooms. God, I um, love the Tractor. So I'm always intrigued by the stories of other musicians who join a band to fill that same role of like a founding member. So I'm curious as to, you know, when you joined Death Cab, I know at first you were like a touring member, then you became mm -hmm. a, a full-time member. Uh, what was the kind of, what was the trajectory of like getting to feel like you were putting your own stamp on things in the band? I know like you're very involved in the last record and then, and then in the EPs going forward, it feels very much like a band. So I'm just kind of curious, like how's that journey been for you? Uh, it's definitely been a journey. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I was friends with all those guys before I joined up and, uh, it was a very intimidating thing to be offered the job, but I was, I was game for it. Sure. And, uh, to their credit, like right from day one, they were kind of like, yeah, so, you know, you're that we have these songs, we have to play these songs. Chris did these guitar parts, but we don't want you to feel like a karaoke guitar player or anything. Like there's, there's certain things in the songs that are obviously like riffs that need to be played, but in, in between the lines, feel free to do whatever, whatever you want. And they were just super encouraging about that. And so, and I, so I did try from the beginning to kind of put my own spin on things and maybe like one time out of five, the guys would be like, okay, well, yeah, maybe do it a little closer to the original, but for the most <laughs> part they were really open to kind of seeing what the new sound would be so mm. um the first i guess like two years was just kind of like that like the the set lists are fairly similar and it was like two touring that kintsugi record and so there wasn't like a ton of room for kind of breaking the mold and creating this entirely new sound but over the course of that time, I became very confident and really felt like welcomed by the band and welcomed by the fans and that sort of thing, which was which was interesting because that that brought us to recording the Thank You for Today record. And and in the interim, like maybe a year into being in the band, the guys sat Zach and I down and they were like, "Well, you know, let's 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 put a ring on it. You guys want to like really <laughs> join the band?" And we were like, "Yeah, let's do it. Whatever that means." So so we enter the studio like two years after touring and it was interesting how different that was because it's one thing to kind of like play soul meets body and strum the guitar differently or like play a different solo and i will possess your heart but it's much different to like enter a studio with ben gibbard nick harmer and jason mcgurr and be like okay i guess i'm going to tell them when i don't like what they're playing do i tell <laughs> Ben, that this chorus could go differently? Like, do I contribute to songwriting? And it was uh, it, it was an interesting lesson in confidence and humility and trusting my instincts. And, and I, I think everyone was kind of learning a, a new language at the time. And there were some days that were really hard where, like, you could tell that they they would push back because they wanted me to feel like my opinion was welcome, but they also were like, no, the song's going to go this way and you need to just accept that. Mm -hmm. And so recording that record was, I, I almost, I love that record and I'm really proud of it. it. Knowing what we've done since then on that EP and what we're kind of working on now, it just, it really feels like a trial run for the future of the band though. Like I, I think that 
in the touring after that record, we really came into our own as, as an ensemble that like plays off of each other, that respects each other completely. Um, and when we, when we went in to record the EP, it felt really different already. Like, like five kind of equal players that are just all willing to give our best or sit back if, if we don't think we have anything to contribute, just the confidence to like speak or to be silent whether verbally or or musically, I think um, just really came across a lot more on that record. And, and um, I think going forward, we're, we're just really interested to see how far we can push what this band is going to sound like. And I'm really excited about it. So yeah. the, the journey has been a journey and it's going to keep being a journey, but if it's in a really awesome place these days, I have Fantastic. to say. Fantastic. Because I got to tell you, you know, we both loved... Uh, thank you for today. And we saw y'all on that tour here in new Orleans. And I think it was probably my favorite of all the times I've seen y'all. It felt like, it felt like an energetic young band as yeah. opposed to like a band that had been around for like 10 or 12 years. Um, and you know, I, having been in that position, like I felt it reminded me of like the same, like initial few years when I joined cowboy mouth of like that energy of like, this is a new thing. We're all on the same page. We're all pushing the same direction and like, what a great place to be in. So like kudos to y'all super excited for everything going forward for y'all. That's fantastic. Thank you. And yeah, I, I remember that show was, was it at the Sanger? Is that the place or the, uh, there's the, another, the, the Orpheum? No. Orpheum. That was it. Was it the Orpheum? I think it was the Orpheum. Yeah, it was the Orpheum. The, there's a, what's that drink? There's a bar across from the Orpheum that is famous for, Ooh, uh, Oh, it's, Shoot the Sazerac, yes, yes, the Sazerac yep. bar, yeah. yeah, yep. We all we all had a nightcap at the Sazerac bar afterwards. Nice. Oh my god, that was just the best time. I we I think we had two days off before that show, and I I just rented a bike and went from record store to record store with a bag under my arm and like bought armfuls of records nice. and took them. Yeah, fantastic. It's funny. I almost I almost wore my Peaches Records shirt that I got in New Orleans oh. in this room and I had. <laughs> foolishly known that you were in new Orleans, I would have worn it. So that's, that's on okay. me. It's okay. <laughs> Next time. Next time. We've got 170 something more songs. So if you ever want to come back, plenty of songs to do. <laughs> Definitely. Well, did you, uh, did you make your way to Euclid records? It's on the river. Like, like it's on a corner, like right on the river. There's like the levee right there. Is it kind of in the downtownish area? Oh yes. Euclid records. Yeah. Over um, on the way to, uh, Bywater. Yes. yes. Yeah, you yep. got it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm like, I just haven't used the travel part of my brain in so long. <laughs> yeah. Euclid was my favorite one. We all, uh, I think, four of the five of us went there. Nice. Like so twice. Yeah, that and that store is ridiculous. I, I absolutely adore that shop. Oh God. It, yeah, it's great. It's it's very near that barbecue place. The that joint. Is also, the joint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joint. It might be my favorite barbecue place in America. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Next time you come here, we're going to like come pick you up and take you places. Great. Take You're you on my the, crew the food balance. tour. Fuck a bike. We have a car. We'll come pick you up. It'll be amazing. Air conditioning is clutch. Oh, you froze. What, uh -oh. what did you just say? Oh, I was saying air conditioning is clutch in New Orleans Ooh. at all times. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll definitely take you up on it. Wonderful. Yes. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> Let's let's step back a little bit. I want to know, uh, you know, what's your introduction to the Beatles? When did you first discover the Beatles? When did they enter your world? 
Well, my story is probably quite common for people of my age. I have boomer parents, and <laughs> the Beatles were the gospel in our household growing up. So I'm sure I was listening to the Beatles from the time I was in the womb. Um, definitely raised listening to them probably 80% of what, 80% of the time in our household. The, the first memory I like truly tangibly can can see like a Beatles product in my hand or like putting it on was my parents when that, when the Beatles first released compact discs, whatever in 1987 or 88. Mm. Um, I remember my parents bought a CD player, like just for that. It was like, they were like, okay, we're, we'll, we'll finally take the plunge on this thing. And they bought like <laughs> six Beatles albums, I think. And I, and I actually remember just listening to the white album and a hard day's night over and over and over and over and just staring at the like teeny crappy cd liner notes in my hand mm -hmm. um so that that's definitely my earliest real memory beyond like just kind of hearing them by osmosis for my entire childhood that's such an interesting place to start with you know with those two records in tandem because they're so far apart uh you know sonically songwriting wise and visually it doesn't look like the same four guys on each album. No. And like, as and a kid, that confused the shit out of me. It's like, <laughs> well, these can't be the same guys. It, it confused the shit out of me too. Like, especially like John Lennon. When you look at John Lennon in 1964 yep. and four years later, which is not long, yeah. like they're doing white up. I mean, it, it still confuses me that they were able to release every album they put out in six and a half years and changed the world and looked like different people and all that. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, those two records were like this interesting bookend of like, oh, I like this band and I like this band too. And they're also the same band and they look <laughs> like people. And one of these bands looks very funny and cute. And one is kind of scary and sad, <laughs> looking. but um, it was just as a kid, I think it was just very world expanding for me. Yeah. Was there a, a record or song that really first uh, kind of sank its teeth into you musically that kind of like was part of your development? Oh man, I, I don't know if I could could narrow it down to any really. I, I remember playing guitar along to like learning every song on Rubber Soul and Revolver. Like th those were kind of like the two like licks records for me. They mm -hmm. were they were like an interesting blend of like cool acoustic parts that were beyond like rudimentary strumming and then there were like solos but they weren't so hard that i couldn't like kind of figure them out and then bass playing when i i i came into playing bass a lot later in life relative to that and uh the white albums bass lines are just so insane like mm -hmm. i just would listen to those over and over and still do just to get the inspiration from those yeah you know in terms of of your own music your solo work and and your work with death cab you know is there how did the Beatles factor into that for you in terms of how you approach uh, songwriting, you know, on, as, as a chief songwriter on your own stuff, as a collaborator within Death Cab, you know, how does that kind of factor into how you approach those things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just some kind of a subconscious hold the Beatles have over me as a songwriter. I, I don't think that I ever sit down and like deliberately reference them because it's just kind of part of my DNA at this point. Mm -hmm. um, certainly my approach to vocal harmony and vocal layering is really influenced by them. And my bass playing approach is like complete rip of McCartney at almost all times. So yeah. 
that certainly factors in there. With Death Cab, I mean, the Ben is certainly a Beatles-influenced songwriter. The band is named after a Beatles reference. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, the Beatles loom large in the Death Cab world. And such a I, wonderfully I think, obscure reference, too. I know. It's 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 very funny. Like, when, when people – I mean, we get asked all the time, like, where the band name came from. And, and it blows people's minds that it's, like, it's just something from a Beatles movie. Yeah. But it's the one Beatles movie – most people haven't seen too. And it's another reason. band within that movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think that like, I, I think with death cab, there is always, uh, a, a real attempt to not sound too much like anyone else, if possible, like in, in the songwriting process that I've been privy to, maybe will a song will kind of be referenced as a starting point and immediately, layers need to be stripped back from that song to make it our own. Mm. Um, so I think like Beatle, Beatleiness is maybe, you know, it's part of Ben's DNA as a songwriter, but I, the band really doesn't sound very Beatley at the end of the day. It's funny in his solo work, I think he lets his Beatley tendencies come through a lot more like, sure. like on that, his former lives, solo record there's a lot of beatly vocal harmony like vocal harmonies don't really factor into death cab it's kind of like just me and him singing at at most and mm. and it'll be like a you know a parallel kind of harmony sort of thing and i think that is a bit of a conscious effort to not sound beatly for for better or for worse yeah but we we certainly love that band to the to the man in the band yeah and and i think i think death cab also is such a melodic band that that may yeah. be i i think where the yeah, maybe, we were talking maybe about a more that. McCartney influence where like melody is king regardless of the part and at all times. We were talking about that a couple episodes ago. Um, we were talking about And Your Bird Can Sing. Not that it's come up in the list yet. We were just talking about we – were, we did like yeah, a little recap episode. Not be, better not be down <laughs> here. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We were doing like a little recap episode and um, it was just the two of us and we were like, well, what are your top five songs at the moment? And one of mine was And Your Bird Can Sing and it sort of – that was like – the sort of harmonizing guitars was a very like death cab thing to my ears. I don't know. I'm not a musician, so I might be completely off base and you all might think I'm completely nuts, but to my ears, <laughs> it was just, it connected for me. I think that's, that's right on. Yeah. Um, I, I think there is a lot, one of the death cab signature things is the interplay of the guitars. And I, I think a lot of attention to detail is paid in that department. And and your bird can sing is like one of the most detailed guitar parts I can think of. You actually, I, I don't remember if we were recording it. You were, you were talking about seeing me break down the solo on my Instagram stories. And actually that came about because Ben's dad occasionally texts me. He, he like loves suggesting songs for me to figure out and put on there. And so, and your bird can sing with a Ben Gibbard's dad recommendation. So nice. it does. That's adorable. Circle. I love that. I know he's the best. And then circling back, you, uh, I'm, I'm realizing now that "And Your Bird Can Sing" as a kid that might have been my favorite Beatles song because of those those guitar harmonies. I just never heard a sound like that in my life and yeah. fell in love with it. Fantastic! It's so good. It's such, such a jam. It's so oh, good. And there's there's no other song in their catalog that I think sound that sounds like that. There isn't. No, I mean there the guitar harmony attention to detail is very interesting. The 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 if you take the guitars away, it's a very like funky track, like mm -hmm. the bass line, funky Ringo's killing it. And then 
the vocal harmonies the whole time are really wonderful as well. And it, it's just like John John Lennon was on such a peak on Revolver. It's funny the the Beatles records that he's really on a peak on. Yeah, there's they, there's like four of them where they're like they're like John Lennon's records. Yeah, and that's like he just hits it out of the park with each song, and and especially that one for sure, for sure. Well, let's go ahead and hop into our song of the week, if that's cool. Absolutely. All right, then. Coming in this week at number 175 is Birthday. On September 5th, 1968, Paul arrives to EMI's Abbey Road Studios around 5 in the afternoon uh, before the others, as was his normal pattern, sat at the piano and began fiddling with the riff that would eventually become the song Birthday. Uh, As the rest of the band showed up, also earlier than their usual start time, uh, whatever plans they'd had for recording that day were thrown out as a new song began to suddenly appear out of nowhere. Uh, It just started instrumentally, and by 8.30, the band had actually captured a full backing track based around a basic 12-bar blues arrangement. Uh, Now, at this point, the band took a break and took a walk up the street to McCartney's house uh, to watch a TV broadcast of the 1957 rock film The Girl Can't Help It, featuring some of their early rock heroes like Gene Vincent, Fats Domino, Little Richard, Eddie Cochran. Uh, All the members had actually seen this film individually in 1957 when it played in Liverpool, but it hadn't screened in the UK since 57. Uh, Now, of course, there was no simple commercial way to record or tape TV broadcasts at that point, uh, so that the band planned their day, uh, planned their work day to go in earlier so they could stop and watch the broadcast of this film, (laughs) shows the importance of the film and the music therein to the band. So when the band returns to Abbey Road, they're even further energized and inspired by the energy of the film. They begin working on lyrics and vocals for their new rock instrumental. Um, So after John and Paul's lead vocals were added, Group vocals were added to the chorus, along with guest vocals from Patty Harrison and Yoko Ono on the bridge. An overdub was then added, uh, in which a mic piano was run through a Vox guitar amp that featured a mid-range boost feature, uh, which causes jumps in the frequencies, and you can really hear that on the fade-out of the album, or fade-out of the track. Uh, And by 5 a.m. the next morning, the track was done. A basic mono mix was completed, uh, and everything was written, recorded, uh, and mixed in one session just under 12 hours. Birthday, of course, was released on the White Album, November of 68. It was never performed live by the Beatles in concert. Uh, however, uh, it's a staple of Paul's set for years and was performed by Paul and Ringo uh, at Radio City Music Hall for Ringo's 70th birthday. So, why do I have Birthday at number 175? So, I think Birthday holds a really interesting spot in the band's catalog, especially in the context of the White Album. You know, following a couple of years of really intense and intentional production work, uh, At this point, it's really rare to hear the Beatles play live as a band. Even on the White Album, it can be argued many of the tracks are kind of the product of the writer and the others as backing musicians, often overdubbing their parts in different sessions or different studios. Um, And everyone knows about the tension during these sessions. You know, Ringo quits and comes back. Uh, Members are working on tracks simultaneously in different studios from each other. 
So to actually get a song where everyone's working together in tandem to create at the same time um, and, and then playing it together is really kind of a treat. Um, and it's a track, I think, where the energy in the room really translates onto disc. Um, it feels like the band is excited to play together and really playing well. I ranked um, back in the USSR at 194, and I got birthday at 174, and I think this is why. I think this is what back in the USSR is trying to sound like and feel like, but Ringo's not there to tie it together, um, and it feels a bit more forced, I think, than birthday. And, you know, it just doesn't have that same kind of, it doesn't feel so much like a band, whereas birthday to me feels like a band. It's kind of the same fate of Obla Di Obla Da, which tries really hard to make you like feel like it's a fun time. It's very like, look at how much fun we're having, <laughs> even though it's kind of just manufactured. Um, but I think that's where birthday really succeeds. This genuinely feels like a fun time. What maybe pushes it down the list for me is the fluff of the lyric, which also is maybe the wrong way to look at it. I don't know. Um, it just seems like such a slight thing to sing such a big rocking song about. Um, I also wish the solo section was maybe a bit more interesting and just instead of just the piano playing the vocal melody. Um, I think that's what makes that little breakdown section so good to me. The Because uh, it's the only time that that comes up in the song <laughs> and you're like, oh, give me more of that. That's great. Um, that said, I think it's a really fun song. I think if it wasn't so overplayed and in the canon in, in, in terms of songs that live outside of the circle of the Beatles, I would probably rank it uh, in a more uh, prestigious location. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my two cents. The floor is open. Dave, I throw it to you. How do you feel about birthday? That was an incredibly eloquent description of my exact feelings about birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, you know, it birthday does probably does not crack my top 30 Beatles songs. Um, but I don't think I would have it this far down either, but, but it, kind of for the exact same reasons you, you mentioned, I, th I think it's really wonderful. There's obviously the Beatles as, as they went on and uh, became studio auteurs and all that um, made the most complex and interesting music of their career. But kind of at the cost of the the sound of the unit playing together and rocking the fuck out and yeah. birthday is a an amazing tribute to like how good those players are it sounds incredible like it's the white album is probably my favorite sounding beatles record it just has this interesting grit and weirdness to it and birthday just explodes out of the speakers in a way that no, you know, obviously it's been overplayed, like you mentioned, and, and we've all heard it a gajillion times, but it's always exciting for me to hear that song. And, and the triteness of the lyrics kind of washes over me, and I'm just thrilled to hear the tones coming out and that rhythm section playing and the guitars. It's it's just like a viscerally exciting song. And yeah. so, and, and that is an interesting observation, too, about contrasting it with, with Back in the USSR. The album, both discs or both records of the album start with a Paul McCartney written blues parody kind of song but indeed back in the ussr is kind of lacking that ringo backbeat magic and and all of them playing in the same room together on i'm gonna take a tangent though and see if you can perhaps weigh in on this mystery about this song which is who is playing the bass on this song are you familiar with this open question i've heard bits and pieces i feel like i've heard that it's some people think it's george yes yeah um up until Basically, up until that uh, that big deluxe box set came out a couple of years ago, it was kind of accepted gospel that 
they tracked it live. Paul and John were on the lead guitars. George is playing bass and Ringo's playing drums. And that's just how it was. And then when the when that box set came out, the credits were in it and it credited Paul as playing bass and lead guitar. Huh. So the waters are murky. I don't, you know, is it like McCartney kind of sketchily claiming credit later on since yeah. George wasn't around to to claim it or, or misremembering things? When I listen to it, it it does sound sort of unmccartney like to me. It has this plunkiness to it that sounds like somebody that isn't Paul playing the bass. So like, I don't like, know. I, you kind of get ahead. that on like uh, on she said she said on Revolver, which yeah. is George, and that doesn't sound like McCartney. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and, and I get the same feel. Like like George's, or whoever's playing that bass line is doing a good job of it. It's definitely no John Lennon playing Helter Skelter <laughs> disaster. But it, uh, it. Uh, so I, I'm inclined to think that they made a mistake when when putting together the liner notes of that of that reissue. Yeah. Uh, another question about who's playing what? Like, <laughs> I don't know, Paul Ringo. Get back to us, honestly. <laughs> like, we need to know. This is the second yeah, time we we've had a question. You're the only ones that know. Yeah, I know. I've been trying to get a hold of Paul for like 10 years. No, right. no luck. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, I also, that sound of the piano through the Vox is something that has, it stuck out even when I was a kid listening to the song. I just was like, I did, this is like a outer space sound. I don't understand what's happening here. And I actually didn't know that story about the amp. I figured they had run it through uh, a channel on the board and were like, hitting eq buttons to do mm. it or something but it makes total sense that it's a top boost on a on a vox amp yeah it, it was amazing. one of those things where i was like oh that well yeah that okay that makes sense because <laughs> i'd always wondered what that was too because like i've got a i play with a beatles cover band and when we finish the song i always want to hear that sound but no idea how to make it <laughs> like on stage in real time <laughs> i know it, it would be hard <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Julia? How do you feel about birthday? Um, I mean, you guys kind of like really hit all the points of like it's such an energetic song. Um, it, and, you know, like Dave, you said, it's kind of easy to let the lyrics just kind of wash over you and like ignore how simple they are because the song just fucking rocks and you can't help but like bare minimum tap your foot when it comes on. Probably more totally. than that, though. Yeah. Um, I do like I. As we're doing this podcast, like, I have been more intentionally listening to Beatles songs and, like, pulling them up on the computer and, like, reading the lyrics as I'm listening to the song to, like, really absorb everything. And, like, as I was reading the lyrics of the song, I actually kind of envisioned, like, not this not so much, like sort of like a bit of a story behind the song of like it's actually someone like maybe in a bar or something and they're like oh you say it's your birthday yeah it's, it's my birthday too let's party you know like it, there's kind of like I don't want it to be as That's simple as yeah, yeah like yeah it's totally my birthday like let's have a good time like just someone out there like looking for something fun to do and they're like oh it's that person's birthday let's join them like, I don't know why like, I've created this like a whole backstory in my head that I, it has I think it's no like you've given it like you've made it like a precursor to 50 cent birthday yes gonna party like it's your birthday yes Uh, that is a funny thing about the song too that that it's not just saying happy birthday to someone it's like it's my birthday too yeah like it's actually a weird thing he wrote about like it only makes you can only really sing it one day a year if you want to be accurate and it's just, but yeah, it's this communal energy. Like it, it actually brings you into the song, which which is kind of 
a wonderful thing about it. Yeah. And I've always just loved the bizarre contrast of like one of the most savage, unhinged McCartney vocals in their whole career is singing these happy birthday lyrics. I think <laughs> as a kid, that is something that also really unsettled me and and just made me think like what is up with these guys this is a weird thing to do it's yeah. a weird song it is and you know and i think i have seen him also say that you know he had the idea of like well a song like that will have legs for years and years because everybody's got a birthday every year um yep and i i hate to think he was that shrewdly business-minded oh, of he like for sure i'll make was. bank on this Come for the on. rest of my life but also he wrote wonderful <laughs> christmas time so you know Dude he knows, knows what what's up. Yeah. <laughs> Valid. He knows how to make some coin. How do you feel about this song opening side too? I mean, I think it's kind of the perfect spot for it. Oh, absolutely. It's just like op- opening salvo shots fired. Like, yeah. What else could open it? Yeah. No, nothing much. I mean, maybe like everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey kind of occupies a similar unhinged rock sort of place like i could see them possibly being switched but birthday is such like a universally welcoming interesting thing it's like come along for the ride we're, we're one record down let's do this thing side two come on you know we're gonna party yeah it i think i think it makes total sense where it is i agree uh so so that said at at 175 if you were ranking all the beatles songs 223 of them where would this fall <laughs> ballpark i know it's a hard a hard question to ask um it would be in my oh god yeah hard it would be in my top 75 i would say possibly my top 50 i really really do like this song and um when people uh, a, a very fun van tour game i used to play with every musician i toured with back in the day was like all right, name your one disc Beatles album running order. Ooh, your one disc White Album running order. Oh, sorry. Wow. Yeah, so I I would do this with every band I was in, and Birthday always made the cut, and Birthday would often not make the cut on other people's single disc White Album yeah. choices. Yeah, so, yeah, I stick, I, I stand on, I'm into it. Nice, um, but yeah, not top thirty necessarily, but top seventy five. Okay, maybe okay. hanging around. What are you thinking, Julia? Where do you keep it? I feel like it's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know that I would debate you too much on this. Okay. I think I'm okay with it. Okay. I don't, maybe, maybe a little bit higher because it is like a really fun song. And whenever you guys play it, like the crowd is up and moving. Yeah. Because sure. people get very excited <laughs> because, like, generally someone in the crowd is having a birthday. Like, yeah. I mean, really, like 99.9% of the time, someone is having a birthday and they're like, oh my God. And then all their people get up and it's very fun. And you can't help but like have a big giant smile on your face when it sure. happens. So it's a it's a joy bringer. It is, you know. And I think I feel like this is one of the things that, about this song that I keep thinking about is I think McCartney gets really overlooked in terms of how great a rocker he could be mm-hmm. and like the rock yeah. songs he could write. Like everyone's like John's the rocker, Paul's the ballad guy, but good lord, I mean put a distortion pedal in his hand or put a little overdrive on his guitar and you get Helter Skelter and Birthday and I mean the dude can just wail like and vocally he just kills oh yeah his his 
like John is a more classic like rock all the time vocal, but when Paul lets it loose, it's like a crazy sound. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. one thing I love playing for people is like on YouTube there's acapella vocals to you know everything ever, but the acapella vocal to Oh Darling, if you've never just oh, listened to it, is yeah. crazy. You hear like weird overtone harmonics going on in his vocal cords. He's screaming so loud. It's 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 really something. And he and he's using that same crazy voice on on birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it when when he does that. And it's like kind of all too rare that he lets it loose. And so that's that's why birthday gets a pass from me too. So you're telling me Paul, pretty pretty talented guy? Talented man. <laughs> he's, I think so, yeah. Not too shabby at this whole music thing. You know, uh Speaking of kind of like Paul unhinged, crazy vocals, um, I know you, you mentioned when we were talking in email that this is the 10 year anniversary of uh, the Ram Project record that you did. And, ah, yes, it is. And um, Monkberry Moon Delight. How does one go about singing that song? Because <laughs> good God. One doesn't. I, I if when I, you know, I, I listened back to that record 10 years on and, and I'm very proud of it, but there's things I'm embarrassed about on it and the, my singing among penguin delight is one of them it's just like you can't even try to go there it's just yeah. and and i i wish i had just taken kind of a different approach but i i was trying to like recreate that album as as closely as possible and 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 just force myself to play stuff i couldn't play and sing stuff i couldn't sing and so i i was i i think i lost my voice for like two days after trying to do that song and then <laughs> played it live too and it was the same problem all over again yeah that is maybe my favorite unhinged vocal of all oh, paul unhinged paul vocals it's nuts it's absolutely nuts it's absolutely totally nuts. insane what uh what brought that on what made you decide to to make that record because what a what a challenge that must have been it was yeah let's let's get in the time machine what was happening around then um <laughs> i i had i had been kind of like a a part to full-time touring musician for seven or eight years at that point and had kind of um was had a, had a bit of a break in touring for a month or two and it was like the longest break i've had i'd had in some time and i i acquired just a little bit of recording gear for the first time like one uh interface and like i got two microphones and like a like a, a drum kit like nothing nothing like none of the stuff you see in this room was <laughs> was in here although it is the same room that i recorded that record in oh nice but um, but i didn't know how to record at all i didn't know how to play the drums i had never sang lead on anything and but i just wanted to l record something i was like i know that i'm more than a live musician i just don't know what that looks like and so i kind of had this bright idea like whoa what if what if i just pick an album that I love and record it soup to nuts from scratch. And just, I'll figure out how to record that way. And anything that I don't know how to do, I'll just learn how to do it while I'm doing it. So I went, there were, there were some other candidates and I can't even really remember what they were anymore, but, but Ram was one of them. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense because depending on the order you do the songs, you can actually take yourself to school pretty well. Like there's, there's, it ranges from like heart of the country, which is an acoustic guitar, a vocal and like some bass and a kick drum to backseat of my car, which is a whole orchestra and, you know, the, 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 the works basically. Mm. And so, uh, and, and it's kind of a, a pretty even incline throughout the record, um, of, of song of recording complexity. So 
I just picked Heart of the Country first, and I think I did Dear Boy next, and um, it was like, okay, well, I got to learn how to play the drums to play too many people, so I learned how to play the drums, and they're not very good, but I did them, and <laughs> uh, my vocals don't sound very good, but I'm going to figure that out, and I don't know how this compressor works, but I'm going to do that, and that's kind of it. I had no goals beyond an educational experience for myself when making that record. Like I did not think anyone would listen to it. I started a Tumblr blog at the time just to post little, like, like to basically hold myself accountable. I think I was on Facebook and I told my small group of friends on there, like, Hey, I'm going to try and re-record this Paul McCartney album. So you know, every few days look for a, a song. And, and as I finished things, I'd put it up just so like, I didn't have, like, if I stopped doing it, people would be like, Hey, where's that McCartney thing you're doing? <laughs> but it, it got, the word got out that I was doing it and it got shared a bunch. And then I got approached by jackpot records in Portland. And they were like, we'd love to pay to have this professionally mixed and pressed on vinyl. And I said, that's insane, <laughs> but okay. And then, <laughs> label city slang which is like a huge indie label in europe they're kind of like the sub pop of of europe they got in touch and they were like we want to put this out and it got had this like huge pr campaign over there and that record <laughs> changed my life more than almost anything i've ever done and i had no intentions for it at all like the purest intentions like I'm recording this thing in my bedroom and my parents and like my best friends are hearing it as I finish it. And all of a sudden it had this worldwide release and this PR campaign and it was getting reviewed in the independent and El Pais and Rolling Stone. And it led to all sorts of really insane things. Like all these people I'd wanted to meet became fans of it. And uh, I don't know, it, it's just like, this funny thing like like my life would truly be different if i hadn't made that record yeah so it's wild that's absolutely <laughs> wild yeah, yeah. I, I always tell people like if you're thinking of doing some crazy thing for no reason just do it you have no idea what it's going to lead to yeah, yeah. i'm very glad you did because i love it i, I mean i love ram but i also love you, your right? ram project we are owners of the vinyl we frequently have both ram and ram project like on our little record stand of like our frequent rotation things. Um, well, and it was funny because the first thing I'd, I'd heard of yours was emotional freedom technique. And I was just, I was listening to it one day and, and then the record finished and all of a sudden something from Ram project came on and I went, what the fuck is this? Holy shit. <laughs> and I remember being like, baby, you gotta come see this. <laughs> this dude did Ram. <laughs> like, like blew my mind. Like, unbelievable. So, uh, it's a yeah. fantastic record, though. Like, well done, you know, for for something that was uh, that was purely an educational experience. You knocked it out of the park. I gotta say. Yeah, really. I adored it. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. It's it's a very near and dear record to my heart, and it's you know, it's kind of like seeing things you 
poetry you wrote when you were a teenager. It's a little embarrassing. Like I've become better at everything I do in every regard since doing it, but it's also like a very honest snapshot of where I was as a musician at the time. And it led to me being confident about recording. I started recording Emotional Freedom Technique like the day after I finished RAM and I was like, voila, I know how to record. This this is great. That's really interesting because I think, you know, you mentioned your, your vocals on, on RAM being something that you kind of look back at. But, and I think your vocals on the next record, they sound way more confident than maybe mm. they do on Ram Project. Not not good or bad necessarily, but like it, you just feel like a more confident singer on that record. So it's interesting that it happened so fast after after you finished Ram Project. Yeah, well, by I started recording it the next day. It fin- got finished six years later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Other stuff happened, but. Um, yeah, the, I th- my early vocals, if you were to hear those, you would they're, they're definitely more in the like Ram Project level of singing ability. Like like after that came joining the Ray LaMontagne's band and then joining Death Cab and recording on studio stuff and, and singing backing vocals live for years. And so I did I, I got a lot more practice and 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 learning the Ram songs to play live and doing a mini tour to play Ram live and, and learning how to sing like that. So there there was a bit of of, of tr- training montage in between Ram project <laughs> and emotional freedom technique in the vocal category. Nice. <laughs> I know you've got to get you got to get heading out soon. Do you have time for just a couple of rapid fire questions? Yeah, totally. Let's. I got I got ten more minutes. Oh, let's, perfect. Let's okay, we can do this. All right, cool. Rapid fire number one. You ready? Uh, your favorite yes. Beatles song today? Because it changes for people. So today, it does change, but it does not change for me, my dude. And the answer is if I fell. <gasps> I love strong, that song. strong. We oh. love it. So is good. it your second favorite song behind Julia? I, you know what? Actually, Julia is not anywhere near the top of my favorite. Oh, it's such a drag. <laughs> um, but it is a bit of a downer. I'll jump in with like a little schmoopy story, real quick. This guy right here, Jonathan. Uh, when we first started dating, um, I'm going to date ourselves a little bit. He made me like mix CDs. We were a little too old for mixtapes, but there were definitely mix CDs being made. And that was like one that was on one of the early mix CDs. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a very, I could tell it was like a very autobiographical song of (laughs) where he was at the moment. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) it's so cute. (laughs) I do love that song. That's one of those ones that I feel like was like one of those first like harmony lessons of like, this is how you do two part harmony. And it just kind of like blew my mind. 
it's a perfect song like like it's maybe it's my favorite song it's it's certainly in my top five favorite songs it, 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 you you don't you can't write a better song than that it's like vocal harmony yes the arrangement the intro that has nothing, nothing to, do to do with the rest of the song but it's essential to it yeah. the 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 crazy modulation into the chorus bridge thing like I I just adore it. Like like in a career of writing dozens and dozens and dozens of perfect pop songs, it's I think it's their most perfect pop song. I I love it. And they obviously went on to be a more complex and in some ways interesting band. But it's like man, they really nailed it really early on with that song. It's yeah. it's it's amazing. Perfect. So good. Uh, your least favorite Beatles song? Get back. Ooh. Okay. Wow. That's the answer. I know. Um. I don't like that song. I don't know why. It from day one. Um yeah. it really irritates me when Paul uses that bell tone kind of voice. It's like <laughs> it's like he's singing the way Bob Dylan sings on Nashville Skyline, but yeah. I like it when Dylan does it and I don't like it when Paul does it. Yeah. And the lyrics are stupid. I don't I mean, I'm being very subjective here, but it's I don't know the little the gallop like even the way it was recorded I just don't like how it sounds I don't like the lyrics I don't like the feel I don't like the way he sings it I'm just not into it that's that's a weird song because I enjoy the record but if you've ever played it good god is it boring like Uh, there's only vocal for like maybe a minute of the whole song otherwise it's like a solo section another solo section a third solo section (laughs) a fourth a breakdown and then a coda like it's just oh it's so long and weird yeah i know i know it's it's a hit it's a popular song it's on compilations and i just do not like that song fair enough uh favorite beatles album rubber soul nice nice least favorite beatles album if you have one let it be okay okay um your favorite moment associated with the Beatles. And it can be like a song was playing as you did a thing or you, you know, were on a bus with Ringo or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would love that. My bandmates were on a, were on a plane with Paul once, which is oh, amazing. Oh. He was in first class and they were in coach. Sure, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> but I think Nick bumped into him or something like, like Paul had the Hofner bass and was loading it into <laughs> overhead compartment yes shut up are you serious wow. why, does he, player, like, why does he not fly private like why does he not like what why I are bet you... he does a lot but he didn't that day that i know so yeah you're probably right i feel like southwest has those fire ass fairs dude <laughs> <laughs> he likes a discount and He's... then my my bandmate uh zach ray who joined at the same time i did six years ago um he is one of LA's busiest session keyboardists and he has played on Ringo Starr solo records. Wow. Which is, so I can't step to that at all. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yes. I mean, my, it's not entirely Beatles related, but honestly the, the shows I did promoting the Ram project were probably my favorite Beatles associated memory because they were so hard to do. I'd never led a band before ever i was terrified i didn't know if anyone would come and i sold them all out and we killed it and i was like oh i can i can do this it it was like the scariest thing i've ever done and i came out of that experience like a different musician in person i think just 
like oh i i can do this this i'm i maybe confront a band sometimes <laughs> <laughs> nice that's amazing yeah for oh, sure that's so cool did you do the whole album front to back like live oh yeah wow oh, yeah. Yes. How, how many so, players how many players in the band for that five of us and wow. so a uh, drummer played drums the whole time, but the rest of us, everyone else in the band was a multi-instrumentalist. And so I either played guitar or bass, depending on, or keyboards, depending on what I wanted to do. And then the rest of them could just switch whatever else. It, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. And then for the encore, we did Jet, Oh Darling, and, uh, something else. I can't remember what we did. Heavy man, hitters, I mean, that's yeah, that's enough. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. That's a hell of an encore, man. Yeah. Well done. You can watch it on YouTube, and oh, it's really? embarrassing to watch, but the whole show got taped, and it's on YouTube. I'm totally going to share that the week we post this, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> okay, you can watch me sing Monkberry Moon Delight badly on YouTube live. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's at the Doug Fur. In fact, the the, for, the aforementioned Doug Fur. Nice, very cool. Well, Dave, so Europa is out now. Where can everybody pick up a copy of Europa? Uh, at any fine indie store worth its salt, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, but uh, it is available on, you know, Bandcamp, my website. Which, which way is best for you, davedepper.com? Uh, yeah, go to, there, there's a link to buy it at davedepper.com that ensures that you're getting it directly from the label jealous butcher. Who's an amazing label that I would love people to know more about. Um, so yeah, go there and you know, I stream stuff, stream it, listen, you know, listen to it on your, on your jogs, listen to it on the bus. Well, you're not riding the bus right now, but if you were. <laughs> listen to it while you yoga. do yoga at home. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and what's next for Dave Depper? With this still oh, unknown boy. year, what's coming down the pike that you're willing to to divulge anything? It's it's yeah, it's there's a lot of exciting stuff that I can't talk about unfortunately. But let's see, Death Cab just released a, an EP of of covers of bands from Georgia that we're quite proud of. So he goes out and he makes his money the best way he knows how. Another body like cold in the gutter. Listen to me. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. I know that you're gonna have it your way or nothing at all. But I think. Raised a hundred thousand dollars. I know, insane. That's insane. For, uh, That's amazing. We we all we had like a, a running bet in the band of how much it would make, and that number was over three times higher than the highest bet. Band. So wow, we were all very blown away by by what happened, and obviously things went well in Georgia. It worked so. out well. Yeah, thank God. Do you think you'll get to meet Stacey Abrams someday? I don't want to brag, but I have zoomed with her a few times yes. because of the like, but, and she is a Death Cab fan, which is crazy. And we were like, "Oh, she's just saying that." She probably says that to everyone. And then she like mentioned songs, and she knew everyone's names. It was very crazy. Uh, um, but she is like a super dynamic person. Like, 
not only like a brilliant political mind, she also like writes romance novels. Yeah, you wow, didn't know this? No. Yes, she is just like this amazing superhuman. Huh. Yeah, she's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Super brain. Yeah, t- she's really funny. She's like, uh, yeah, she's the whole thing. Obviously, she has a blindingly bright future ahead of her. I, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, like she could retire now and be a legend, but. I can't wait to see what what she does next. It's pretty awesome. But yeah. I, I can see for the record, she is a, a delight to talk to. A very, very cool person. That does not surprise uh, me. I would expect that. She seems all around amazing. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, I can I can very, like, mysteriously tell you that Death Cab is hard at work on thinking about what's going to happen with our next record, and we're all very excited about what's happening in that department. But that's all I can really say about that. Sure. Nice. Um, I am about 75% done with the follow-up to emotional freedom technique. Um, it, it follow-up in that it's another kind of electronic-y pop record. Um, it, it sounds pretty different from the record, but it's, I guess, sort of like the spiritual successor to it. Okay. Okay. So there's that. What else? Um, and then I just recorded another album, um, that... I cannot reveal yet, but I, I, it's, yeah, I, there's, there's, there's two albums that I'm working on. There's the emotional freedom technique follow-up. And then there's another thing that I recorded that it's going to get announced very soon, but I, I cannot say what it is. How do you go so hard, Dave? How do you do it? Man, I, I don't know. Just born to do it, I guess. <laughs> well, or well, my my job went away, so yeah. I don't have anything. Else to do. How about that? I'll take I'll take both answers. That's actually been like <laughs> such a funny response to like booking guests for the podcast is like you know it, people like you who are normally like touring and super busy like you're you kind of aren't working at them i mean you're working but like you're not on tour and stuff like that so like maybe you have a spare hour to like talk about the beatles for a little bit because you love them and it's like it's just been such like a random the people that we've talked to and episodes we haven't even released yet i mean thank you so much for your time like completely appreciate you being here um but yeah, it's it's so weird the people that we're talking to that I never thought I would be on a Zoom with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see who else you, you get on there. And I'll, I'll just say for the record that I had a blast and I would 100% love to do it again. Yeah. Well, let's, we've got let's 170 other songs like- and you've got several albums coming out. So uh, anytime you would like to come, you have open invitation. I'll even throw you, if you would like now to book If I Fell, I'll give you that, and we'll talk in like two years or whenever the hell it is. <laughs> well, let's let's pencil in if I fell, and uh, maybe something will come up before then too. Sweet, sweet. Well, we'll talk on the side. Well, Dave, I want to thank you again for the time. We really, really appreciate it. This has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for joining us on this. Oh man, so fun. Thank you for having me. It is it is an honor. Dave Depper, everybody. So fun. What a gentleman. What wow. a fun conversation. Yeah. I can't believe he went from like never recording to I'm just going to do the Ram album. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that's akin to like, well, <laughs> I'm a baby. It's time for an ultra marathon. <laughs> like, might as well do the Iron Man. Might as well do the Iron Man. <laughs> so good on him, though. Uh, highly recommended from RTB headquarters. 
to check out the man's catalog. All of it. Ram Project. It's all... Emotional Freedom Technique. Europa. They're all different, but so great in their own way. Yeah. Very, very enjoyable. Of course, if you don't know uh, his day job, do check out Death Cab for Cutie. (laughs) Do they need the promotion? They don't need it, but if you don't (laughs) know them, you should. So go check out Death Cab for Cutie as well. Um, Big, big fans over here at Ranking the Beatles World Headquarters. So... Friends, what do you all think about birthday at number 174? Do you agree with Julia and I that it's cool where it lies? Do you agree with Dave Depper? Maybe in the top 75-ish? Should it be somewhere in the middle? What do you think? Uh, Let us know in the comments. If you have enjoyed the show, what can they do? Leave us a five-star rating. Yeah, buddy. Um, Tell your friends about it. Uh, Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and uh, getting all these shows the moment they come out, uh, 1 a.m. Tuesdays, local time. And, Central uh, Standard Time. Well, whatever their local time is. It's oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Because all of our international <laughs> friends get oh. it early. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I do work. You do. <laughs> well, everyone, this has been a pleasure. What a great show. Happy with this one. Well, Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Throw it in the bin. We're good. Throw it in the bin? Not not the bin. bin. Not the trash bin, but like (laughs) the done bin. Okay. The done bin. The finished pile. Yes. Yes. So that's it for this week, y'all. Let us know what you think. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, until next week, take care of yourselves, and we'll be back with a brand new episode. Uh, I am Jonathan. And I'm Julia. And this has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.